This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to Sports Better's Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, Jimmy, out along with Matt Humans from Vincent here on the Sports Better's Paradise. Matt, a uh, nice two and one week uh, last week. We finally got those uh, damn Nebraska Huskers to cover a damn spread, huh? I mean, they won it and covered by a couple of touchdowns. Took care of business against uh, Indiana. And uh, also, you and I, my, that was my best bet last week, was Mississippi State uh, against. Uh, and at home against Texas A&M. And so ranked team, uh, unranked team favored over a ranked team, about a 90% autoplay. And, uh, boy, you know, just A&M's offense is, it looks stale, dated. You you, you pick your adjective. Yeah, it's uh, Jimbo Fisher. Like I've, I've talked with you about this before. I, I think he gets way too much credit for being some sort of quarterback guru uh, when you think about <clears throat> really the poor – Mediocre to poor quarterback play the Aggies have had under Fisher. I don't think he's done a really good job evaluating quarterbacks in the recruiting process. And his offenses have been anemic at A&M for the most part, this one especially. So that was a good play on Mississippi State. And um, I'm trying to find a a few winners this week. My card ended up, I think I ended up betting about seven or eight games last Saturday. I only had a few plays with you. And typically, that's what happens is I find some more stuff as the week goes on. I've got a lot of, I've got a lot of games on my list uh, right now, but only uh, three or four that I'm going to use as best bets today. I think one of them. Uh, let's start out in the Pac-12, and uh, you and I uh, and Aaron Renning did the uh, the Pac-12 preview, and you know, ER had uh, Oregon as his top uh, power-rated team uh, entering the season uh, in the Pac-12. They've rebounded pretty well. Uh, from that forty-nine to three shellacking that they took, uh, and, and that could have that could have really uh, mentally scarred a, a lot of teams. But they bounced back. Uh, and Bo Nix is, I mean, he's day to day, man. You just don't know what kind of Bo Nix you get from week to week. And uh, he's playing uh, plays good sometimes. Sometimes he really uh, stinks it up. And you know, knowing his inconsistencies, it's hard for me to put them as uh, the number one team. And Utah was my number one team coming into this year. I mean, maybe um, Kyle Willingham's best best team ever with so many pieces of returning. Uh, also, kind of been a home-and-away split uh, for the Utes this, uh, this year. That was a bad loss to start the season uh, at Florida where uh, the rising early down interception. But this one here, the Ducks are traveling to Tucson. Much improved Arizona Wildcat team catching 13 at home against the Ducks. So typically you get the uh, good Bo Nix at home and the bad Bo Nix on the road. And I, I'm not saying he's uh, predicting he's going to play a poor game in Tucson this weekend, but I don't think he's going to be as good 
is usually in on, on his home field. And um, I'm not afraid to bet against Bo Nix in road games. I also think this Arizona team is still being underrated by a lot of people. Now, if you look at the resume this season, nah, it's not that impressive. Wildcats beat San Diego State, uh, North Dakota State, and Colorado. Two of those three teams are pretty bad this season. But still, Arizona took care of business in uh, two of those three games and handled a North Dakota State team in the second half. And a lot of sharp betters thought that North Dakota State was a better team. Uh, really don't have a bad loss. Mississippi State went in there and uh, kind of blew things open in the second half in Tucson. But in the first half, Arizona was leading that game. What I see here is a quarterback who's starting to pick up the offense. Jaden Delora, the transfer from Washington State. Jimmy, he's got 1,633 passing yards. 14 touchdowns. In the past two weeks, he's got 885 passing yards against Cal and Colorado. He played really poorly in the second half against Mississippi State. Uh, He's got some big-time receivers now, and that's what Arizona has not had the past couple years. And going into this season, Arizona had lost 23 of 24 games. Jed Fish has got a much better team. I still don't think the power ratings caught up to exactly how good it is. I made this number seven and a half. I'll take 13 with the Cats in Tucson. I'm never afraid to bet against Bo Nix on the road. When we did that Pac-12 preview, it was a team that, you know, you read some of the comments from the opposing coaches in in uh, in the league, and kind of said they might have a chance. They might have a chance with all the transfers that they're bringing in. The UTEP wide receiver has been outstanding, very productive uh, for them uh, because – the mess that went down in Washington State with the uh, the coach being ousted and uh, you know with the COVID reasons in the middle of the season that left them in a uh, some I guess it left their roster vulnerable to uh, other teams poaching uh, in the transfer portal and they picked up a, a really good quarterback so uh, this is a guy that's kind of respected among his peers uh, in the league and no doubt they are one of the most improved teams in all of college football staying a Pac-12 and talking about these inconsistent quarterbacks. But you know, there was a quarterback at Auburn who started four seasons. That was Jason Campbell. And his last year, his senior year, they went undefeated. Uh, USC and Oklahoma were the preseason number one and two. So imagine that. An undefeated SEC team did not get into, at that time, the two-team playoff, the national championship game. And this, uh, a DTR who's been there for at least four years and, right. uh, at, at, and, uh, at UCLA has had his inconsistencies. He's, I think the coaches have stuck with him because he has so much physical raw talent. But you're seeing in his last year kind of some more consistency and some really nice numbers. He was fantastic on Friday night as they easily got uh, you know disposed of uh, Washington. Now they're catching four and a half at home against Utah. There were a lot of betters who thought that Washington was going to be a layup last Friday night against UCLA at the Rose Bowl, and the opposite was the case. And I understood the handicap. When you look at the Bruins and their non-conference schedule, it's about, it was about as weak as it gets. And the one respectable team that UCLA played was South Alabama, and UCLA had to win on a last-second field goal uh, that day. There's not much of a home field advantage at the Rose Bowl right now because the fans just are not showing up. And uh, to say that place is half the half empty for the UCLA games up to this point, I think is being generous, but that didn't matter Friday night because uh, the Bruins took it to the Huskies. And uh, we've we've spent a lot of time, everybody has, talking about Kalen DeBoer and Michael Penix and how improved Washington is. Uh, Jimmy, going to the fourth quarter Friday night, it was UCLA 40, Washington 16. 
Yeah. And that's how thoroughly that the Bruins dominated that game. Now, when I look at Dorian Thompson-Robinson, this is the type of quarterback I want to bet on. He's played 41 games in college football. This is his fifth year in Chip Kelly's offense. And uh, he looks like a guy who's really matured and gets it now. He used to be inconsistent. He would make a lot of mistakes. That's not the case right now. And he's uh, in the backfield with him. He's got Zach Charbonnet, who's uh, one of the top running backs on the West Coast and uh, really in college football. He didn't get much hype. He's a transfer from Michigan. But if you watched the game last week, he had 22 carries. Uh, look up the number, 100, 124 yards against Washington. And Charbonnet is a guy I really like because Chip Kelly, as much as people think his uh, offenses are wide open, he likes to throw the ball. He likes to run the ball more than he likes to throw it. And DTR and Charbonnet can both run the ball. They're dangerous. And um, DTR is not making the same type of mistakes when he throws it that he did in the past. So there's a lot of things here I like about uh, UCLA against Utah. Now, Utah's a team I've been talking up uh, all summer, and I was really disappointed in the loss of Florida to open the season, but not surprised by it, Jimmy. That's a tough way to open the season. Yeah, sure. You go from, uh, you go from the West Coast to the Swamp and try to play your first game. I think Utah would have, uh, if you could go back and reschedule, I think you would uh, set up a cupcake first and kind of have a game to play before you go to Florida and play that one. And let's face it, that day they caught the good Anthony Richardson. And uh, uh, maybe – Utah's defense helped make them look a little bit better, kind of like Tennessee's defense did a couple weeks ago. But Richardson didn't play well that day. You have to give him credit. He didn't play well every Saturday. But that Saturday he did. Uh, I think Brant Cathy, the tight end, who's dumb for the season, his absence is going to show up here in the Utah offense pretty soon. It didn't show up last week against Oregon State. But that had a lot more to do with the defense. And uh, the thing that disappointed me about Oregon State a week ago was the quarterback play has gone downhill. It's a, a steep decline for the Beavers. Uh, Chance Nolan threw four picks against USC the previous week. The Utah quarterbacks combined to throw four interceptions against Utah. One was returned for a touchdown. It was still a 21-16 game midway through the third quarter before Utah blew it open because the Oregon State offense has completely fell apart. Now, the Utes are not as good on the road. You can say that about a lot of teams. But they're not as good on the road. And I think this is actually uh, kind of a fat number to cover in a road game when you're talking about four and a half against a team that's playing with a lot of confidence and has a veteran quarterback in Thompson Robinson. He had 315 passing yards, three touchdowns, and 53 yards rushing at a touchdown last week. That was a huge performance at the Rose Bowl for him. Uh, you could also say, well, it's a letdown spot for UCLA. I'm not going to buy into that because I also think – you could say it's a look-ahead spot for Utah with USC on deck. So I think that stuff kind of cancels itself out. Uh, let's take the four and a half with the Bruins and hope uh, that they play uh, you know, similarly to the way they did the previous week against Washington and should be okay. I think, uh, I think UCLA is a little bit better uh, than some people think. And this four and a half number actually surprises me. I made the number Utah minus two. So you're crossing a couple of key numbers here. Yeah, Oregon State, as you, you talked about, back-to-back weeks of four interceptions uh, in accounting for all four of their turnovers. And USC and uh, USC and uh, Utah 
with zero turnovers. So uh, cost them a game uh, in uh, at USC and cost them from being in the game uh, early in the second half in Salt Lake City against Utah. Stay out of West, but let's uh, shift to conferences. Let's go to the Mountain West Conference. And Wyoming traveling to Albuquerque to take on New Mexico. New Mexico last Friday night, uh, they uh, jumped out on top of uh, UNLV and then held on to cover the number pretty easily. First time that UNLV failed to cover the number this year. And Wyoming, after that rough start in Champaign, Illinois, has gotten better, but they dropped one uh, last week as uh, they started to gain a little bit more of the market share against San Jose State. New Mexico, the week before, uh, took their took their paycheck, and then they flat out ran the clock the whole time, only getting two first downs, only attempting seven passes in Baton Rouge against LSU. Wyoming, three and a half on the road here at New Mexico. I did not think the Lobos were even going to be remotely competitive at LSU. And uh, like you said, I, I don't think they even put out a sincere effort that day. Now, they were outmanned by LSU and didn't have much of a chance anyway, but that was uh, a surprisingly weak performance. LSU, a 31-point favorite, won that game 38-0, and it just uh, it's had the feeling of a scrimmage. But here's the thing with uh, New Mexico. It's a really well-coached team. Rocky Long's one of the best defensive coaches in college football. I call him the Bill Belichick of the Mountain West uh, because he can scheme uh, things to stop almost any offense, at least within his league. He's not going to stop teams like LSU with the personnel he's got in Albuquerque. A, a year ago, the Lobos went to Laramie as 16-point dogs. And I remember vividly because there were some sharp betters I know in Vegas who were laying the points with Wyoming, laying the points. And I just I couldn't get behind it. I didn't get on that game. The Lobos went there as 16-point dogs and beat New Mexico 14-3. to That was a Rocky Long special with his defense. Uh, he got a little bit better personnel on the New Mexico side this year. Miles Kendrick, the Kansas transfer at quarterback. He's nothing special, but at least they can throw the ball a little bit. Uh, he had two TD runs when uh, the Lobos went up 17-0 on UNLV last week here in Vegas. And, Jimmy, I like to put in usually a small two- or three-team underdog money line parlay every week. And last week I put in a dog money line parlay on New Mexico and Auburn. And uh, that paid off about 20-to-1 odds. New Mexico was up 17-0. Auburn was up, I believe, 17-0, right? Or at least yeah. 14 Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And both, both uh, teams found a way to lose, but they each covered. Uh, New Mexico threw a late pick six. So it was 31-20 to 20 loss, but it was 24-20 in the final minutes. Uh, yeah. So if you look at the Wyoming side, too, this is sick. Andrew Peasley, the quarterback, last week, six for 20 for 85 yards against San Jose State. The Cowboys lost that game 33-16 at home. This is a really weak Wyoming offense. Uh, the defense is not that much better. I think this is going to be a low-scoring, ugly type of game. Plenty of good seats available in Albuquerque <laughs> for this one. Uh, it's not going to be on primetime TV, that's for sure. Uh, but I'm going to go. I'm going to go with the home dog here. I got New Mexico plus three and a half, and I've also got New Mexico season win total over two and a half. I'd love to get the win here because this would be win number three for the Lobos with half the season yet to go. Uh, but I think they got a, a pretty good shot to win this game straight up. I think it's a coin flip game, and you're catching three and a half with the home dog and a better, uh, better defensive team, better defensive coach, and Rocky Long. 
All right. Yeah, plenty, plenty of seats available uh, for New Mexico and Wyoming. Let's get to the Big Ten. And Brett Bielema makes his first uh, first trip to his uh, old stomping grounds in Madison, Wisconsin, where he took over and uh, did a great job. Did a great job and then jumped ship to the, uh, to the SEC uh, for the big money. Now he's got back at Illinois in his second year, and he goes and takes care of business uh, against uh, Wisconsin and also – but holding them to basically zero yardage of rushing also. I uh, we, we know they could play defense. Boy, this whole Western division, uh, maybe minus Nebraska, is kind of like this, man. Heavy on the defensive side and not a whole lot uh, on the offensive side. Now uh, uh, Illinois is favored by three and a half over the Hawkeyes. Hawkeyes failed to uh, win and cover, failed to cover the ten and a half at, um, at home against Illinois. Uh, Michigan last week. So the Hawkeyes catching three and a half in Champaign after that big win for Bielema at his old employer. All right, this is the uh, hold your nose special of the week. This one stinks. And uh, not too many people are going to want to say, oh, yeah, this sounds good. I'm going to jump on the Hawkeyes here. Nobody wants to bet Iowa. Last week, there were some betters uh, who did jump behind the Hawkeyes getting 10 and a half at home against Michigan. And uh, Michigan was a far better team, let's put it that way. But Iowa had the chance to get in the back door. Classic Iowa Hawkeyes offensive situation, fourth and two, and uh, they throw a one yard out and get called for uh, offensive pass interference at the uh, what was it at the three yard line. So the Hawkeyes don't get in the back door. But I actually thought they made some plays in the passing game after they opened up the play calling a little bit, and uh, that's why Kirk Ferentz says. They've, they've got to do uh, if they're going to win any of these games. You've got to let Spencer Petras try to make some game, make some plays through the air. It's been a one-dimensional offense, and uh, the key to this handicap for me is what what you talked about. So the Illini went to Madison. They ran the Badgers out, thirty-four to ten. Paul Chris gets fired as Wisconsin coach, which we talked about in this podcast a week ago. I said I thought it was about time for a coaching change in <laughs> Madison after I watched that Wisconsin Ohio State game. It was definitely time for a coaching change after Brett Bielema goes in there and blows out the Badgers on their home field. But what the Illini can do, they can run the ball all over you. What can, I, what can Iowa do? They can stop the run. So the Iowa, this is strength against strength, and I think the Iowa defense is in a pretty good position here to keep this game ugly, uh, to give the Hawkeyes a chance to win it. And it's also a little bit of a letdown spot for Illini coming off that big road win. Illinois has not had many big wins like that in the last five years. Uh, so I think you're catching an Iowa team off a loss in a good spot, and you're catching an Illinois team off a road win in a good spot. Let's take the three and a half with the Hawkeyes and hope. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but, but the the 35 – I mean, you know, the, the Hawkeyes, I mean, these, uh, these totals in the mid-30s are like regular uh, occurrences for them. Yeah. I mean, historic – I mean, uh, until this year, but I mean that's and and listen, same old, same old. When we did the uh, the Big Ten preview for for uh, Iowa, I mean they're going to be sound defensively. They're going to play ball control, not make a whole lot of mistakes. But my goodness, have a little bit more firepower on the offense than, than this year. I mean, Petrus has been there forever. He's a guy that just hasn't got any better, and uh, I mean it is it is sometimes very difficult to watch, but. Um, Illinois coming off of a, a, a big win uh, at Wisconsin last year. I mean, last week, rather. And so, Iowa plus the three and a half. I was one of those people with Iowa last week against Michigan. So, plus the ten and a half. And 
I thought it was coming right through the back door. Thought it was in uh, that penalty uh, at the end. All right, so Matt, uh, two and one last week, has Arizona plus 13 at home against Oregon. Another home dog, UCLA, plus four and a half at home against Utah. Another home dog, New Mexico, plus three and a half at home against Wyoming. And then Iowa catching three and a half at Champaign against uh, Illinois. Anything else, Matty, that we missed? You know, just a couple games I wanted to get your thoughts on quickly here. One's a, a tough a handicap, and I think that's uh, Oklahoma, Texas, because we don't know if Dylan Gabriel is going to play. He's in concussion protocol. If he doesn't play, uh, the Sooners, who are a mess right now, uh, what are they going to do a quarterback to hang in this game? Because you've got General Booty, the JC transfer. I like his name, but his game's not great. And then the uh, the freshman is Nick Evers. You got two really inexperienced quarterbacks here. So Oklahoma catching seven and a half in the Red River rivalry. And, Jimmy, when this line opened over the summer, it was Oklahoma minus six. And now it's Texas minus seven and a half, and it might go higher if Quinn Ewers is going to be the starting quarterback for the Longhorns and Dylan Gabriel doesn't play for Oklahoma. I'd like to say that number's an overreaction, but it all depends on the quarterback situations that we don't know uh, what those are as we sit here and talk about it on Tuesday. I think that that line is telling you that Gabriel's out, Matt. And that, um, you know, Oklahoma has owned this series, but uh, not this year. And I will give Texas credit for some. Their intensity and their toughness, their heart, uh, it kind of wanes at times, Mm -hmm. not for this game. And so there's a lot of uh, built-up frustration uh, that – now, listen, last time I built up the, the built-up frustration, uh, Richardson threw for 453 against me at, at, at uh, Nayland Stadium. But I, I, I think Texas, uh, that's not a bad – it's not a bad team in West Virginia that they just destroyed and just kind of cruised against. And, um, you know, and let's face it, another kind of spot where you think they're going to be up for, they were great against Alabama. Uh, in that game. They gave them all they could handle. So I, I like Texas uh, in that spot. That is, if you see that Gabriel, that will that will scare me off a lot of my bet. But uh, figuring that Gabriel's out for that game, yeah, I like Texas. Minus yeah, the points. I, I agree with you. I mean, if, if he's in concussion protocol right now, I think he's unlikely to play in the game. So I'm not going to take the points necessarily. I will say this. Uh, I did play Oklahoma under its season win total of nine and a half. And uh, – huh. That, that becomes a winner if uh, the Sooners lose this game because it'll be three losses in a row uh, for Oklahoma. All right, I'm going to throw this one at you. I bet LSU over its season win total of six. And this schedule is going to get really tough for the Tigers mm-hmm. uh, starting now. But they're 4-1 and one with a one-point loss to Florida State. So I think you, so far so good for LSU. Tennessee's got Alabama on deck. Uh, I think this is a really interesting game to handicap. Uh, because LSU was a three-point home dog. Now you're seeing two and a half out there at some spots. I'm going to get your thoughts on the Tennessee-LSU game. Well, right now, um, uh, Jaden Daniels uh, will not throw the ball. And um, he's just holding on it. He's scared to death. Uh, and that's not the that's not the Jaden Daniels I saw as a freshman at Arizona State. But maybe the uh, interceptions last year have him gun shy. But you can't you can't compete uh, in the SEC if, if you let the ball go. They found a way to win, but they were very fortunate being outgained by a lot uh, against Auburn on the road. Auburn again shows you how just just how messed up they are giving that game away uh, to LSU. Just the opposite for Hayden Hooker uh, with Tennessee. He attacks. But he doesn't make mistakes. I mean, right. his touchdown interception ratio over the last a year and a half, 
But you know, I do I do remember that Pitt game where Tennessee went to Pitt and it went to overtime. Classic 50-50 game. LSU's as good as Pitt. I mean, now the 11 a.m. start hurts the crowd a little bit. They'll still be fired up, but it's it's not a night game where they could get have a little bit more time to get fueled uh, to go into Tiger Stadium. But um, it's a stay away spot for me uh, because this looks like a tough spot, like you said, for Tennessee with Alabama. Uh, you know, next week was just destroyed them every year, and it looks like they have a chance to possibly compete with them this year. Uh, so the spot is for LSU, but man, this matchup of quarterbacks, one guy just won't throw the ball and the other guy, man, he's going to make plays. He really will. Yeah. That's why it's a tough one for me too. I actually, um, I kind of leaned to Tennessee now at two and a half. Like you said, I saw the same thing at Pitt. I, I thought the uh, volunteers were lucky to win that game at Pitt. First of all, they had to, they picked off a pass in the end zone, Pitt's quarterback, uh, went down to injury in that game, and Tennessee was fortunate to come back and win in overtime. So I, I thought Tennessee's rating was maybe a little bit high, but you have to like Hooker. If you just start with uh, handicap at the quarterbacks, you have to like Hendon Hooker in this matchup. But uh, And, and yeah, I'll say I'll, this, uh, Matt, I think I think Mississippi State's as good uh, as Tennessee this year. I think they were in, in LSU after uh, a slow start. They, they I mean, they, they destroyed them. They beat them, uh, outscored them 31-3. to three. Uh, to end the game, so and you're seeing what Mississippi State's doing right now. So at home, I think this is this is a kind of a toss up game. It's just I, I, it's hard for me to fire away with the way Jaden Daniels is playing. Yeah, Brian Kelly. By the way, I, I was on LSU against Mississippi State. That game did not start out well, but uh, LSU roared back and uh, took care of business after falling behind early. I think it was thir- was a thirteen zero in that game, Jimmy. Yeah, thirteen nothing. Yeah. So nice comeback by LSU to win that game, thirty-one to sixteen, outscoring Mississippi State thirty-one to three. From that point forward, was pretty impressive, and that's when I started to feel a lot better about this LSU team. I'm not going to play this. I'm, I'm probably going to hope LSU just gets the win to help out that season win total bet. But I, I agree. I think it's kind of a coin flip game. I'm a little bit concerned about the quarterback play for LSU. I did like Auburn in that game a week ago, and I thought Robbie Ashford might make a difference for Auburn because I did not like T.J. Finley. Uh, if you watch Ashford, I think he's a dual-threat quarterback. He's got some potential. And uh, I have no idea why Brian Harson is thinking why you flip the ball to your running back for a trick play inside the 10-yard line uh, when your offense is moving. How idiotic can you be? I think he was just begging to get fired with stupid, uh, you know, a stupid play call like that. But what I was about to say was Brian Kelly, I watched a video about a week ago from his press conference where he's talking about Jaden Daniels and how he wants him to take off and run with the ball in situations, but he also wants him to be more patient and throw and take more time to find a receiver from the pocket before he takes off. That's always a tough balance to try to find with a quarterback like that because I think Daniels' instincts are to just take off and run. And uh, you're not going to get that done. That's not going to get it done in the SEC against some of these defenses if you try that too often. And that's what I saw from Jaden Daniels the last couple of years at Arizona State, he regressed. I don't think he's had good quarterback coaching the last couple of years. I thought Brian Kelly would be a huge help to him in that regard. But, 
you know, if it's not working out for uh, Daniels, I think LSU's got another quarterback in Nussmeyer that they can uh, they can win with too. It's a hot topic of conversation. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. And, you know, and Kelly and him need to do something like maybe what Lane Kiffin did when Jay, uh, Jalen Hurts was a freshman at Alabama. Just throw the ball, you know, horizontally. Get the ball in Kayshawn Booty's you know, yeah. hands and some yeah. of these other playmakers. They, they got guys. They, they do have guys. So uh, we will see. Uh, and they're, they're all disappointed. Uh, that uh, the game is at 11 a.m. around here, but they'll find a way to get to the stadium and uh, make it a lively atmosphere. Talking about summer lines uh, in the SEC, how about the su- this summer when uh, Chris Andrews and them put out the summer line at Auburn minus five at I mean so Georgia minus five at Auburn. Well, it's now at 30 well, this weekend. Well, I've got I've got a list here of uh, several potential plays written down, and Auburn's on the list. Uh, this week, if if this number goes up a little bit, just a little bit, I mean, it's so close to that 31 number where give me 31 and a half, I'm probably going to bite on it. Uh, but I'm not sure how much Georgia interest is out there after the Bulldogs were sleepwalking through that game in Missouri a week ago. Uh, it's tough to say. I, <clears throat> I'm tempted to take Indiana at a big number if it hits 24 against Michigan and Auburn if it hits 31 against Georgia. Those are a couple big dogs I'm thinking about uh, playing this week, over the summer, by the way, Chris Andrews, I believe, opened Alabama, I'm going to say around 14 against Texas A&M, and uh, mm-hmm. a week ago, opened 21. I'm not sure what Bet Rivers has right now, but I was seeing 24, 24. Yeah, 24, 24 on this game, so a major adjustment in that game as well uh, between Alabama and A&M, and uh, I, I was saying last week when there was a 21 out there, if you're going to play it, lay it, because I think uh, a and is going to get annihilated by Alabama. Uh, probably so. So, uh, you know, what, what were the odds? I guess uh, Alabama A&M was maybe four to five for ESPN's game day uh, to uh, host their show. Instead of going to Lawrence, Kansas, that was probably off the board, maybe 5,000 to one with TCU uh, in Kansas. I think that the, the – the clock strikes 12 on Cinderella also in Lawrence uh, at 11 a.m. Central Time. I think TCU is just too explosive of a team. They look good against SMU and, of course, against Oklahoma. they got right. some firepower. And at offense, Dugan looks great. Yeah. And the first-year head coach, uh, looks Dykes, looks just really good. For Matt Humans of Easton, I'm Jimmy Yacht. This is Sports Better's Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network.